Hello, and welcome to another episode of Believe in Victory, a Grand Blue Versus podcast. Today's guest is the Count, and he's going to tell us which Eternal is going to be in Grand Blue Versus. Andre! Andre Eternal! Ah, ah, ah. Thank you! Believe in Victory. Welcome to Believe in Victory. Uh, again, my real guest is Vibrating Sheep. Hey, everyone. And yeah, we're going to talk about Andre and also the Eternals since um, I do feel like the total amount of information on the Eternals is still like pretty sparse. I agree with that. Yeah, I feel like the game is about to hit its seventh lap year-wise. But um, for the most part, Eternal lore is like few and far in between because um, there's so many of them. And there's just not a lot of space to talk about them. So today, we'll just get into, you know, Andre is the one who's going to be added to Grand Blue Versus. But we'll do like a longer discussion on pretty much all of them and what they are really as an organization. Mm-hmm. And sorry, I just cringed inside a little bit when you said he's the one because he is the one. He's the number one. <laughs> it's true. You're, you, you got it right. The one. Uh, his new voice actor in the English version is going to be Jet Li. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm Eula. I'm nobody's Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Didn't think I'd go there. That's a deep cut. That's a deep cut. It's one of my favorite cuts, but it is a deep cut indeed. All right, let's let's go. Let's go. Let's uh so what were we gonna talk about today about the Yes, yes. So let's talk about the Eternals. Um I think most people don't really know exactly what the Eternals are in Grand Blue uh just Grand Blue Fantasy in general. I think people's perception of them is they are the Avengers. Um, but what are they exactly? Are they the Avengers? So they're kind of created as their equivalent of the Avengers. So um, when they were created as a faction, they were created to sort of be the faces of Grand Blue Fantasy. They were created to be like these chase characters. So um, the original concept is that since Grand Blue Fantasy has 10 weapons, they were going to be the masters of each weapon. Um, and so each weapon type in Grand Blue Fantasy has one of these Eternals to represent it. They represent one of the character classes that you can play as in Grand Blue Fantasy. And they're sort of the epitome of like prowess and skill in that weapon in that class. Um, and so that's sort of the gameplay mumbo-jumbo uh, portion of it. When it comes to the story portion... Uh, they were kind of created to be like very shonen jumpy protagonists. Like when you get into their stories, uh, as you unlock them, it's a very long unlock process that they've made shorter over time. But like it's one of those things that's meant to take weeks to months of your time, and then you're supposed to be very proud of this achievement. Um, and the stories tell you essentially that each of them is searching to be the ultimate user of whatever weapon that they have um, and their reasoning for it ranges from I want to be the strongest to I need to protect something to ha 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 I'm not going to tell you I'm just going to stay mysterious for the next five years <laughs> yeah I mean I I think they are really highly revered in the fan base just because from a player perspective they're always something that you look forward towards as a goal and so when I first unlocked one in the game myself, I it was like one of the coolest things because you kind of like built up to it for like a really long time. Mm-hmm. And then when you finally did get the story, it was usually like some kind of epic tale of 
like, oh, how powerful they are and how, how much you've accomplished to get to this far, right? So that was always really cool to me. And so I just feel like they've, um, the Eternals as a whole have kind of even uh, have enjoyed like a lot of popularity as it is. Yeah, they're very popular characters for the most part. Um, and there were some weird things in the early days because as things uh, as as characters that you had to work to unlock over this slow and uh, very long process uh, there was sort of an issue at hand where you couldn't actually know who all 10 of them were without playing the game for an extremely long time like you had to you know uh for for a lot of people recruiting the the process of recruiting them took like up to like 2 3 years a lot of people still haven't done it and so they ran into this problem where people kind of they're supposed to be the faces of the game and they're using a lot of promotional uh information they're you know they currently have their own shadowverse set like it's entirely about them like the lore keeps pointing to them as being the strongest group of people in the world of grand blue fantasy but people just didn't know who they were so they've been trying to integrate them into more and more stories over time with varying success there is a a lot of literature out there and complaints out there about how how much success the side games has had but suffice to say that they've been working them into the game more and more over time yeah i did feel that like there was very little chance to interact with them in the past um if you didn't like go through the process of unlocking that character um, there was very little chance that you would have understood anything about them for the most part. I agree. There was also like uh, limited resources um, and like limited amount of time as well, right? So then you, oftentimes you would kind of like build up all those assets ahead of time and then kind of unlock them all in one go. So then most of the time you would not ever interact with any of the other Eternals and all their stories were completely separate for a long time as well, so. Right. The only two that are connected are the numbers uh, four and ten, uh, Fjord and Tien in English, and that's because they're related to each other and they're working toward the exact same goal. Every everybody else was kind of just off there doing their own thing. Yeah. So with that in mind, um, what were they? What are they in the story? Uh, pretty much like according to the like the original Grand Blue lore. So according to the Grand Blue lore, they're considered the strongest uh, single group of you know adventurers or skyfarers as they're called in GBF. In the, uh, in the world. Um, they're famed, they're feared, uh, and Andre, who's the next character in Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, uh, is the founder. And so his concept is that he's thinking, in his own way, he thinks that by creating this group of extremely powerful people who are all working toward the same kind of purpose, then they will be able to prevent a lot of conflicts by their very existence. He's kind of trying to create a nuclear deterrent via you know force and magic and just pure like weapon skill mm. and he chooses the leader of them which is a very popular character uh named sovan or seofan or uh i think the official pronunciation via shadow versus sovan mm. uh but yeah like uh the, those two are the leaders of that faction and the uh, sovan is actually going to be modeled and in the game story mode so you can talk to, he's going to show up and talk as well. So the two leaders of this group are going to be available to at least talk in Grand Blue Versus. And maybe you can uh, learn a bit more about their motivations and their like operations that way. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, because oftentimes they do flesh out additional lore for some of the characters, especially like the what if lore, for example. So you'll finally see uh, Anre interact with Grand, for example, and 
Um, there are Zed is also a spear character, so you know maybe mm-hmm. something there as well. Yeah, the the concept around Andre himself as you know who he what he does, what his personal skills are. He's supposed to be the master of the spear, and not just the master of the spear, but he's supposed to represent the uh, the tank class that's in Grand Blue Fantasy, uh, Holy Saber at the time, and now it's called Spartan. Mm-hmm. And so he has the ability to completely negate damage and he can kind of punish people for attacking him and things like that. And so, you know, his position in the game as he's supposed to be is supposed he's supposed to be the ultimate tank, the ultimate, you know, defender protector. Right. So they're probably going to translate that into Grand Blue Versus with some they've mentioned like defensive skills, Mm -hmm. um, long range abilities and so on and so forth. I think I, I had um I had Diaphone on last week mm-hmm. and he mentioned like something that was really interesting was that pretty much every character in Grand Blue Versus, they have the ability to kind of like knock you down or like get in close and then rush you down, right? Like from mm-hmm. that position. So uh, even Matera, who's like a bow character, you know, has some in, in, in classic games, they would have more of a just like keep away strategy or even fairy for example right but then all of those characters once they get their knockdown of a certain kind they come in and they just kill you right mm-hmm. so he speculated that uh, maybe Andre would be a character who can't do any oki which would be pretty weird for like an arc system works developed game but would be a character that it currently is missing from the game yeah the character that we kind of compared fairy to is dalsim and dalsim if you actually look at the designs of Dalsim over the years, most of the Dalsim types actually will eventually like knock you down and then mix you up and kill you. Yeah. And so, you know, you can't really look at that. Like the tank, the tank type, the big uh, stop sign type characters tend to just use their normals to keep you away. Like certain styles of Percival, for example, that are trying to wall you out with just big normals and things like that. Yeah. That's probably the closest thing we can think of for, for Henri, but yeah, like if you compare him to other sorts of defensive characters, like the the definition of a defensive character in fighting game history tends to just rely on the amount of space that they can take up with just attacks. Yeah, I've started to speculate that maybe like a more new 13 design could be possible. Um, but I don't know exactly how that would translate to like a, a game that where you, I mean, you can air block in Grand Blue Versus, but I don't know how that would exactly work. So it, I'm actually more excited to see how it actually pans out after thinking about it a little longer. Yeah, we're going to get the trailer on the 22nd, according to the director. So we'll find out more about it then, especially since they release a move list at the same time. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Now that we've talked about Henri for a bit, um, let's just go ahead and talk a tiny bit about the rest of the Eternals. Um, we did talk Selvan, which is number seven. But for the other eight, um, can we get like a maybe like 15 second version? <laughs> sure. So um, so we have the number one, Henri. Uh, the number two is Tuyen. She is the archer archetype. So her whole thing is that she can see basically to the horizon and shoot anything that she sees. So she's the ultimate archer. Yeah, she's my favorite. Um, that's the first one I unlocked and kind of gave you a sense of scale for how powerful all of the characters are. Mm-hmm. I think for the most part, you don't really see a lot of feats of strength in Grand Blue Fantasy because it's always kind of kept a little bit vague. But um, I think her story, she attacks you from like an island away pretty much. Something like that. So I was like, whoa. Like finally, you kind of get like a sense of scale of how powerful these characters are. And she can see super far too, right? So she has like that 
clairvoyance B plus or something if this was fate. Yeah, so um, her entire storyline actually is that she really just wants friends, but because she's so strong, people call her a monster, including you know her closest allies and associates and friends and anything else that you want to call them. Um, and so she has a complex about that. And so her motivation for being an Eternal is to try and be in a group that won't shun her. So it's, a, once again, a very like Shonen Jump kind of motivation. She's already strong. And she's trying to fit in. The next one is Threo, the number three. She's meant to be a weapon master. So she's both the sword and the axe. And her entire motivation for getting strong is that she very strongly believes in the survival of the fittest. She's like a wild child. She grew up, she was raised by like monsters in the forest. And so she has a very, very simplistic view of the world. She's just like, I'm strong. You guys are strong. Let's go ahead and uh, be strong together. Let's eat extremely simple yeah that's pretty common like that character who's raised by wolves also a really popular character as well i think there's oftentimes like a shonen jump character who's like the character who, like comes down from the mountains and they're like they don't really understand a lot of stuff but they're really strong it's pretty common like you have your gokus um you have your gone freaks and so on and so forth yeah i was thinking the most uh, current example of that is uh inosuke in demon slayer oh yeah that exact character pretty much mm-hmm Raised by wild pigs, just wants to fight people and eat. And then, let's see here. So the number four, Fjord, he um, is an orphaned child who grew up in a ghetto. And he and his sister, who's the number 10, are supposed to be defending like their little ghetto from essentially just this nebulous uh, concept of gangs. Yeah, some kind of mafia-like thing, yeah. Right, and they keep saying that whenever they... Uh, beat one down like another one comes to take its place so they're trying to get stronger and just essentially get strong enough to keep uh gangs out of their town yeah i mean i've that one was the kind of the story that was um kind of a a bit more of a head scratcher to me i felt like uh especially because both of the twins have like an interesting kind of like personality as well right I think we like both of the, we like the characters independently, but until they kind of flesh out that part of the story, I still think about, um, well, aren't they like supremely powerful beings? And then, you know, well, at some point we'll find out, I suppose. Yeah, they're kind of like the Hawkeyes of these uh, groups, like where it's just like, wait, they're just, they're, they're not like strong for any particular reason. They just were discovered in a ghetto and they're just, we're, we're, they're just good for some reason. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Four's personality is um, kind of lends itself to the kind of like, well, we expect this person to be really, really strong for whatever reason. And it would make sense to me. But then uh, the twin sister 10, I'm still thinking about how um, I'm just like, well, okay, I guess I like the characters, so I can't really complain too much. <laughs> right. And so um, he's supposed to represent the debuff class, the uh, the dark fencer, the chaos ruler, um In Final Fantasy terms, like, you can see that the original costume, like, one of the costumes that you can get for that class looks very much like Red Mage. So very, like, all around um, and just sort of general magic and making life hell for you. And then number 10. The number 10 has this weird concept where she's based on the thief class in Grand Blue Fantasy. And being a thief in Grand Blue Fantasy means essentially that you raise the chance of getting treasure. So she's somehow supposed to be good at finding treasure and it's sort of incidental to her character somewhere 
And then also uh, they have these assassin skills or the equivalent of being able to backstab in an RPG, right? Where you set up a situation where the enemy is vulnerable and then you hit them where it really hurts. Yeah. Um, it never really, I don't think they've ever really explained that part of it, but um, on a surface level, it makes sense to me. Yeah, it, it's very tied in understanding old RPGs where thieves very much were about two different things at the same time where it's loot and it's being able to backstab. But she does it with a gun, so try not to think about it too hard. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the understanding was her bullets ricochet, right? So, right. Something like that. Eh, anyways, moving <laughs> on. So number five. Uh, number five is an actual child who has so much magic that she can't keep it in. Um, so it's another of those, like, I'm incredibly strong. I don't know how to use it. This group is going to take me in and sort of keep me from falling into bad hands. So she's just a very innocent child. She's very smart. Um, but Fief um, is at once the, like, sage type class, the cleric. So she heals, she resurrects, and things like that. So she's the considered the master of the staff. But because she's considered the master of the staff, she's also, like, the mage and can do whole lot of damage if she needs to yeah i i recruited her second i a bit of like grand blue meme history i think i was the only person to recruit both light eternals Mm -hmm. and so that was kind of like pinned as my thing at the time (laughs) i always thought the character was interesting but also kind of just like a weird mystery right because um when i think about this team of 10 people i just felt that like well how do you go from like discovering someone who's like ultra powerful and you can let them act as like a pseudo Avenger now kind of thing. And I was, it was a head scratcher to me. Um, but I kind of just lived with it. Yeah. Um, so the number five is actually one of the less popular of the 10. Um, she's, uh, well, how do I say this? Like she's, she's very strong. She's very useful. Like whenever, you start trying to do anything in Grand Blue Fantasy as a game, and you're like, "Oh, I'm in trouble. I might, ne- I might actually die." Then you're like, "Okay, let's put in this. Let's put in this small healing child." But yeah, in terms of like popularity as a character, it's not quite there. Like the people who love her very much love her, and the people who don't like her just sort of ignore her existence. Yeah, I mean, like it's, like we said, this is kind of developed a long time ago, and so they you know not to kind of throw shade on the developers or anything but um it was so long ago that maybe they didn't fully bake the concept yet at a certain point or maybe they did but gave up on it at the same time right so so the good thing is that over time like i said they've connected these characters more to like popular characters so for example twan is essentially dating silva and silva's a character that we've talked about before and so the two of them as a pair are incredibly popular um, so Fief is attached to the number eight, uh, Aata or Octo, depending on which language that you're playing in. And the two of them actually have a very good storyline with Narmea. Mm. And so because of that, that actually raised their profile a lot. Yeah, I think that helps a lot in general, because I think part of what about these characters is that because when there is kind of like a gap in our ability to understand them, like it's harder to kind of find something that we like about them. And so, you know, that I think that up until that point, you know, because I'd played, you know, however many years that I did, there had been nothing up to that point, right? So then mm-hmm. now that, you know, that story exists, 
I did feel like, and you know, in general, I I think we'll find out more and more about the Eternals as we go on. And um, but you know, for now, that's kind of where we're at with her, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to one of the most popular six. Yeah, so he's the master of the fist, or he has like just any melee weapons. He's got claws. He's got the uh, nunchaku at his uh, side. He's he can split into multiple um, like shadow clones and attack you like. He's essentially every like assassin archetype, but also like uh, so he's able to like move so fast that it looks like he's teleporting. He can just like I said split himself into like three different uh, sixes. There's a lot of theming around him around like the number six and especially six six six. Yeah. Let me let me try and figure out the best way to explain him. He's kind of like he's got the brooding of Sasuke from Naruto, <laughs> but without the the bitchiness how about that <laughs> kind of he kind of has the same backstory too um like a, a similar one i would say a similar one like he, he comes from a clan of assassins and during his initiation ritual like something went wrong like during his rites that uh, would make him like an adult in the eyes of the clan something went wrong and he was essentially he was supposed to be like put down by his entire clan and he ends up killing them all. And so he has to live with that. Yeah, he accidentally Itachi'd them all. So He basically did an accidental Itachi. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways, I mean, he's he's really popular. He wears a mask. He's kind of shy. I think he's very tall. So a tall, shy guy in a mask. Pretty much. Um, he, yeah. Yeah, his, um, his after image thing was one of my favorites. Um, like, just from a concept, I always liked characters with kind of like that after image thing. So I love Ganajin um you know those kind of skills <laughs> but yeah i think um i think a lot of people speculated that he would be put in the game just because there wasn't like a claw specific character and that he could have fit in that way but uh well maybe another time uh so we kind of talked about him before but uh i think what did you pronounce it sovan is the shadowverse pronunciation and all of us went oh okay but anyway the number seven um he's one of the ones who's whose motivations are just mysterious because he's so he's the leader of the entire group. Um, He kind of doesn't actually lead them. He just sort of requests things of them and uh, does it in such a way that people tend to ignore him. Yeah. The meme is that nobody really likes him, right? Right. The meme is that uh, not it's not necessarily that no one likes him it's just that he doesn't get much respect as a leader okay it's that nobody likes him <laughs> it's kind of like a well i i guess you would just like nobody you know he's not invited to birthday parties for example right like he's the the, the first event that he showed up in in the storyline like the one that was trying to ease them into the entire player base's um, consciousness to be like, hey, these are these characters that we really like. You should like them, and maybe you can you know, go through this process to recruit them over time. Um, he basically invites everyone on a beach holiday, and only he invites all, all, all nine others, and only two of them come. One, because she's desperately hoping that she can, find, that she can hang out with people as if she's normal, so that's two. And then three comes because she's promised uh, food. <laughs> Yeah, I think it is kind of like a way to kind of keep them all separate in a way, like story-wise, because they just don't really have a, a really solid leader. But he's such a cool character. He's kind of like, um, he kind of gives like everyone like a Gilgamesh from, uh, from Gilgamesh from Fate Vibes. But if he was like 
a goofy dumbass instead of like a total jerk, right? Right. And so that's the thing is that behind all of that like smug-faced um, smarm and just general goofiness and like lackadaisical leadership and things like that, um, there are signs behind the scenes that he's also like a one-man army. And they all are one-man armies, but he's the one-man army who can actually take on all nine other one-man armies at the same time. Yeah, I think that was heavily implied. And especially like the way his, um, like in the game, the way his, um, I guess like critical art plays out, he like summons like a weapon master of all the other weapons kind of thing, or he has the capability of doing that. Right. And I'm just like, well, he's a, who who is his analog then? I was just thinking. Uh, If you've watched Thunderbolt Fantasy, the main character of that one is very similar where he actually just has (laughs) access to every cool sword ever. And he's just like, which one do I use today? Yeah, there was also, um, who else? Uh, Iskandar from Fate was also someone I was thinking of because he could summon other heroes, right? Right. As part of his army. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Pretty Not, not, too, not too close, but um, getting there, I suppose. Yeah, and then uh, I think the next one is Eight, who's the Katana one, right? Yes, and so um, he's the archetype where he's trying to be strong for the sake of being strong. Um, according to Narmea, because Narmea is like a distant relative of his, mm-hmm. he doesn't know what his name is anymore. He doesn't care. Uh, all he cares about is the pursuit of being the best and being strong. And every other concern to him uh, didn't matter until they gave him the uh, care of Fief. And so he's kind of mellowed out in his old age into being kind of a cool granddad. Yeah. I, lo- I love the sword granddad archetype. Um, that's one of my favorites. He he also can fight with his hair. It seems like I don't know if that's something that's like in the actual story. His hair, he's so good at wielding swords that his hair wields a third sword. <laughs> that's one of my favorite tropes of like. Well, you know, I'm a big One Piece fan, so um, Zora was one of my favorite characters of all time, and so that was resonated with me. But hair is not quite as cool, but still up there. the The whole thing about his character actually is that. Uh, over time, they've been able to sort of take advantage of his utter dickishness in his previous uh, existence. Like he, so one of the characters in the background of the beach stage is Jin, and he's like he was inspired to be a samurai and a hero by like being saved by Ayato once when he was a kid, and he's like, I'm going to be a hero just like that hero, and then. He meets Ayata later in his story, and Ayata goes, I have no recollection of what you what happened that day. If I did do that, it was definitely not for you. <laughs> and so Jid has to sort of wrestle with that and go, wait, what? That's the thing about, um, I think, like, strength and power as a motivator is a really common trope in Japanese culture as a whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, the entire idea of, yeah, I'm sure you've heard of the name Miyamoto Musashi, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, his story of like pursuing strength uh, for the sake of strength, you know, and like, what, what does that mean? Right. What does it mean to become the strongest? And that's just like a part of Japanese cult, like pop culture slash real culture as a whole. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it is kind of a dissection of that um, trope as well, because you have other characters who've been affected by him. You have, um, and also like, as he moves away from that ideal, he kind of develops into a more interesting character, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, either way, it's just, he's my favorite sword grandpa in the story. So, yeah. uh, so the story of him and Narmea is that he just walks through the 
Dojo or Narmea is practicing when she's a kid, and he makes this offhanded comment, and he doesn't remember the comment he made, but she is so traumatized by this that she gets like this entire inferiority complex. It's like, I need to be as strong as him so that you can acknowledge me. And he's like, I don't remember you at all. <laughs> yep, pretty much. It's like, oh, you were that child. Uh, I was trying to help. And it's just like, and this entire gap between like what a human would think or at least a member of society and a member of a family would think and what this like sword grandpa is thinking or not thinking is sort of the entire reason that they butt heads for like years. And it takes this actual small child number five to yell at them. It's like, this isn't how you talk. You don't talk with your swords. You talk with talking. And it's just, it's this really funny uh, thing overall where they just like dissect the talk with your fists archetype. Yeah, and that's also one of my one of the reasons why he's actually one of my favorite characters. Let's move on. Um, number nine. Number nine, Neon. Um, she is the master of the harp. So uh, what she has is she's got two things going for her. Number one is that she can control, manipulate and control emotions by playing a harp. And the other thing is that she can also read minds and she doesn't have much control over it. Like, she can just read sort of the room and the emotions of the room. And she can't really um, control it to the point where she sort of hides herself away um, because the noise that is created by just having too many people around overwhelms her. Um, She's very, like, soft-spoken and essentially when her, her, like, storyline so far is that she's just sort of worried that she doesn't belong in this group because they're all like power, these all powerful, almighty things. And she's just like, I can make people fall asleep. Am I useful? Like, what am I doing here? I mean, yeah, she's the classic like empath, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, those those kind of like those used as powers are usually really, really underplayed, even though, you know, they they can be incredibly useful like right. down the line. So, um, yeah, I think she's pretty popular from what I remember. But, you know, she adds balance to the group as being, um, you know, an actual, well, I don't know, because a couple of the characters are soft, soft-spoken, right? But she's kind of like the shyer one, I suppose, yeah, but there's is. also she's, six. She's very shy. Um, so the thing about six is that he's able to essentially force himself into a persona by putting on the mask. Like, mm. he's, he, he has, when, when he has the mask on, he's like, cool, mysterious, et cetera, et cetera. And then when he doesn't have that safety uh, safety net of the mask on, he reverts and just retreats into his shell like a turtle. Mm. Um, as opposed to Neon, who doesn't have the like outer shell of cool to built around herself, and she just wants to hide. Mm-hmm. I don't really know much else about her story. I do remember that when the one the only thing I do remember is that she's really difficult for Eight Hud to defeat in his um, Fates episode. <laughs> I still consider that the the hardest fight in the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty messed up. It's funny, but I don't think she's appeared much in the stories at all, actually. She's appeared twice. Uh, once was in an event called Together in Song. And in that one, she appears because that one's basically about the power of music and either using it to heal or um, just trying to cope through music. Like... W- what art does for people who are actually hungry and cold and things like that. Like it's a sort of very introspective kind of story. And so she appears in that one and um, helps out in that one. And then later on, she sort of gets a cameo appearance of 
uh, I'm here at a festival. I'm here to enjoy things and try not to uh, like be overwhelmed by the number of people who are just out and excited. So that one's just a cameo appearance. Um, mm-hmm. That one's called Kappa Summer Chronicle, and it's just one of the long series of uh, summer celebration kind of things. But yeah, she's appeared and she's done a few things, but she hasn't really been explored as mm. the way I would uh, the way I would say it. Yeah, that makes sense. And then we already covered the number ten, so yeah. So uh, I think that's good for now. I think we've covered everyone. Uh, we've covered uh, kind of what they are. And so from that point, let's take a short break, and we'll come back. We'll talk more about um, you know some specifics and some other you know backstory stuff. And we're back. So I'm back with Vibrating Sheep. And now we're going to talk a little bit more on the specifics of the Eternals. So first and foremost, the name the Eternals is the English version of the name, right? Uh, I think in Japanese is the Jutenshu, which is like the the 10 awesome people, I guess. Basically, it's like the 10, what is it, like unmatched under heaven. It's a very Chinese kind of thing, right? Like <laughs> they have epithets rather than names. Yeah. On that note, though, um, they kind of all have like a name that's a number. That's not their real name, right? Uh, it is explicitly not their real name. Um, Narmea in her story tells you what Ayata's real name is because he himself has forgotten it, but she remembers his name is Zanba. Oh, Zanba. Really? Uh, hello, fellow Nihonjin kind of thing, but... Yes, his name is in fact Cut Sword. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's not actually what it literally is, but you might as well. Like, it's not... It's not explicitly written out, but it might as well be written out. <laughs> it might as well be, honestly. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. So it's not their name. Technically, anyone could assume, you know, the title theoretically. Right? Has there ever been a character who's been replaced as an Eternal? Um, there was a brief storyline where Seox tried to abdicate his seat as an Eternal, and they're like, "You're going to stay here. We're, we're we're still supporting you." Um, and so he did not actually leave for that storyline, but he. Mm-hmm. He thought about it. He was talking about leaving the seat and op- leaving it open to somebody else. Mm. That's interesting. I, I think that like sometimes um, that does kind of lead to like cool like what if scenarios or like what if character X became an Eternal, right? Like what would what would that be like? Uh, with that said, I know that not a lot has been revealed. We kind of explained that not a lot has been revealed about Andre at all, and also Seofan, who's also in the game. Not really much has been revealed by them. Um, did they really participate much or do they really have any kind of story to them at the moment? Not right now, no. Um, they did update the Eternals recently in Grand Blue Fantasy with an even higher level of um, like 
invest your game time into improving them and like they they have a sixth star but that that they're uh, rolling out slowly over 2021 and that process does have its own story associated with it i haven't seen it yet like uh, it is um an investment and a process to the point where i have been working toward it for almost a month now and i'm about like 70% done with one of them. <laughs> Ooh. Well, the main thing is that I'm trying to work on all of them at once, so I'm actually kind of 70% done with all of them oh, okay. all at once. So that's just the way that I'm doing it. Because mm. I'm not in any particular hurry because the ones that I want to uh, work on are going to be in February and April, so I'm pacing myself appropriately. That makes sense. I mean, they haven't even re- released all of them yet, right? They have not. They're doing a stage release of like one and two were in December. Mm-hmm. Three and four are going to be in February, five and six in April, you know, and so on every two months. Mm, I see. Yeah. And that's in that sense though, that kind of just means that like I guess we might even find out more about them than we knew in Granblue Fantasy. Maybe. I actually have the feeling that we'll know more about Andre from Grand Blue Fantasy versus than we will from anything in Grand Blue Fantasy because you learn a lot about these characters. Like what, what we were talking about during the break, these characters have personalities that are bigger than their actual story. Like we know who they are and not where they came from and where they're going. Mm-hmm. And like, that's part of what makes them popular, but it also kind of locks off their future in some ways that they have to fill out before they can actually use them as characters. And uh, when, it, when it comes to Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, they have this opportunity to not just flesh out um, who he is, because that's relatively well dis- well established by this point, but also like what he knows, right? Like it was interesting to people from a lore perspective when Ewell was running around and saying, "Oh, hey, you uh, you know about this Nine Tails thing? Cool, that kind of thing." Yeah, I do think that you know a character's journey tells us a lot about them, and like that's part of usually like the coolest part a lot of the time. And so yeah, sometimes when a character doesn't have it. Um, it does feel like they are a little bit isolated. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that does kind of lend itself towards like this character is popular because their personality and their look are really cool and popular. And that's about it. That's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we could find out a lot more about um, any character in Grand Blue Versus that would kind of flesh them out a lot more. I'm I'm pretty optimistic about that in a way. Mm-hmm. Um but not, you know, but not completely. <laughs> right. This is this is a very like meta behind the scenes kind of thing. But actually, the voice for Andre in Japanese is very popular as a meme because if you've grown up in Japan in the past forty or so years, then you've heard his voice as two of like the most ridiculous villains in children's entertainment. Yeah. Because he's Frieza in Dragon Ball Z who, you know, it, as threatening as Frieza is, it's Dragon Ball Z, so he's, like, a joke. <laughs> and in Anpan Man, he's a uh, biking man. He's, like, the epitome of the common cold, basically. Like, he's runs around, and he goes, bye, biking, and runs away, and just messes, messes around, and he's gone. I forgot about the biking man thing. But, yeah, I think every, every kid knows him, right? And then, so, for me, I, I do, like... I'd like any character voiced by that voice actor in Japanese. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like so it get, it gives a kind of like an epicness to it in a certain way because you kind of remember that association. Even if Frieza is like a total joke now and like Super is kind of like really changed that character's characterization. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the whole idea of like maybe Uno will get some kind of finger death ball still excites me. Um, that's what Hungry Clicker drew Andre doing, if I remember right. Like when he was announced for uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, he was yeah. doing the like, what is it, the planet annihilation ball thing? The yeah. Destruction of Namek. That's what it's called. <laughs> Dude, I, I that's one of my favorite like moves. It's so cool. And like, just think about it. Maybe we'll get a move where he gets all freaking buff and he like dives on you. <laughs> <laughs> just golden Andre. Yeah. Oh man, I'm excited for that. <laughs> I have to admit that I've I've worked myself into wanting this as well. Yeah, uh, the thing is, is like you know, as I mentioned um, on many on many previous times, he excites me more now than I did he did originally for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But um, just in general, I would say that like I'm 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 still really looking forward to him coming out. Um, they, I did read through the uh, the letter from the director notes that you translated and. Um, I know that not much will be changed balance-wise, but that also kind of excites me as well. Yeah, uh, because there's only like a month between releases, they had to uh, submit the um, the patch to both like Sony and probably Steam like essentially a couple days after Yule came out. So they did they don't have enough like info as of two point three to make like meaningful changes. Yeah, I mean it. You had to submit a lot of that stuff like far in advance, so that's to be expected. Yeah, they um, said that it was that they had to submit the um, Onray patch like a couple days after two point two two came out. Essentially, like two, the Onray patch is going to be two point three zero, and yeah, the process that is required to get to that point is pretty uh, involved, and so they didn't want to make big strokes um, based on not enough information. Yeah. Um, okay. So we've talked a bit about Eternals. And so I did, there was one thing that kind of I wanted to bring up as well. So kind of the elephant in the room is that their names are different in Japanese and they're different in English, right? Right. And so this was actually been addressed a couple of times. People aren't always satisfied with the answer. Um, but the official reasoning behind it is that uh, there are certain characters where they their names mean something in one language and then when you switch to another language then the the name kind of becomes a joke in some ways um and so they specifically mentioned a couple characters so um this was brought up because the voice of lyria she's actually pretty good at english and mm-hmm. she switches the game to English every once in a while. She's like, wait, who is this? Why is their name different? <laughs> and yeah. so the director and the producer uh, pulled out the official line and explained it to the Japanese because they usually have to explain it to the people who are not Japanese. Yeah. Um, but they're like, uh, there's a couple of reasons that you would change a name. Uh, in, the name in the case of someone like Shiro, their official line is that um, this character was renamed Nicholas because they wanted a name that was less specifically Japanese. Because, an interesting choice, yeah. Yeah, but... because Grand Blue Fantasy is not specifically a Japanese fantasy. It's this, like, mishmash of multiple cultures' fantasies. And so they wanted to try and generalize that name. Um, but, and then when it comes to the Eternals, um, they wanted to sort of use a language that isn't in use because all of these names that are in Japanese for the Eternals are just counting from 1 to 10 in different languages. So... Um, 
Andre's name is Uno. And, you know, there's a lot of jokes that you can just come up with based on just what you know that is already named Uno. Like, you can just start throwing cards at people. There's that meme of the do something or draw 30 cards kind of thing. Like <laughs> We already um, went there <laughs> many times on this podcast. As you yeah, know. right? And it's just like, uh, the, the after that, you have um, so, uh, Sorn, which is Thai. Uh, after that, uh, Threo's j- uh, name in Japanese is Arabic for the number three. Mm. Uh, and then you just keep going like that. So there's Quatre, um, uh, which is actually, it's the same name as uh, Gundam Wing. And I was actually thinking about this. And how many people, when you were watching Gundam Wing in the 90s, right, actually knew that they were named after numbers? Like all of them have just these number names from like 1 through 13-ish? I, I definitely didn't. Um my brain was definitely a lot smaller when I liked Gundam Wing. So <laughs> there's also less of an internet to tell you these things where it's like, oh yeah, hero means number one. Duo <laughs> is already number two. And yeah. like Troa is uh, Troa is supposed to be Troa, which is how you pronounce uh, three in French. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah that didn't. That didn't. I didn't figure that out because my brain was not very big. I even right. even though I visited all those different GeoCities websites, <laughs> right? And so uh, I kind of see where they're coming from, where they wanted to unite their naming convention because all of the Eternals' names are in Old English, or at least a variant of Old English. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know you can still kind of tell that they're supposed to be named one through ten. Uh, but you know it's it's a little more united and it's not in a language that people use every day because when it comes to down to it like uh six's uh, seox's name in japanese is cease and there's a there's a bunch of like levels of pun to it because shisu is also to die as a <laughs> verb yeah and so like they they sort of layered in the puns on there and then then when you get down to english you're like we can't do this we can't cuz if we write out in french it's just his name's just going to be six and that sort of takes away from sort of the coolness factor of it whether or not seox is cooler that's up to you and your personal interpretation of things though see they should just name them they should just put a the in front of the english word so the, the six yeah the six <laughs> Well, there's a character in Grand Blue Fantasy that that actually does apply to because uh, De La Fee means of the girl. <laughs> in, her, in Japanese, her name is Le Fee, which is just the girl. So it's like, I don't know which of these is better or worse. Uh, so, I mean, but it, but that kind of, that's kind of the bind that you're put in with working with some of these names where it's like, oh, this foreign word is so cool. Yeah, I think... I mean, they kind of painted themselves into the corner there. I mean, they did that all the time, though. I think your classic Japanese developer will Google like a foreign word and then just like put it in. Gundam is full of that. Like not just <laughs> Gundam Wing, but yeah, like Full Frontal is just one of those things where you look at it and you go, who would name somebody that? <laughs> full Frontal? Really? I don't think they knew what that meant. Yeah, there's so, there's so many examples of this across all media, too. Not just like Japanese media. Like the freaking Japanese magic school in Harry Potter universe. Do you know what it's called? This is a famous one. I mean, that, they named the kid Cho Chang, right? Yeah, they gave they, they they named the kid Cho Chang, which is just two different last names stuck together. <laughs> but yeah, you, yeah, are you ready for this? Yes, I am ready. It's named Mahotokuro. <laughs> magic place. They think they. I think they also the um the spells are named after like they're stupid Latin too, aren't they? 
Yeah. Um, stupid pig Latin is kind of something that people who study Latin are used to these days. I, I see. So it offends nobody, I suppose. It's a dead language, so it's one of those things where it's like, all right, you know what? It's we will. We'll, it's not perfect. It's not supposed to be perfect Latin. It's supposed to be like dog Latin, right? Where it's just yeah. like, it's it's unfamiliar enough to sound cool, and it's familiar enough that you actually kind of understand what's being said. It, it it's just one of those things that's just hard to to handle. Like no matter how you handle it, someone's gonna be mad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- with that being said. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else we should get into? Well, I heard that there's going to be a uh, a draft going. Oh yeah. And so... I I, I uh, used to be a a huge fantasy player, so I need to uh, I need to just like get those drafting muscles working again. Okay, so today's game we're gonna play Eternals versus Eternals three, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Give it a number. So. We're going to pick three Eternals that we're going to put into a Marvel versus Capcom-ish game. Okay. And then you can't pick the same character. But we're going to try to make the best team possible. So you're, I'm not allowed to pick six and then six and then six. Yeah, you, you can't can do just that. Explain Shadow Clones. Oh, all right, <laughs> fine. So then um, you'll pick the character, mm-hmm. kind of explain like what their special moves and assist would be for your team. Sure. And then, yeah, that'll be it. So you can go first this time. All right, well... Uh, I'm picking as my point character uh, Seox, the number six, because I mean he's probably got the uh, best movement aside from the flyers, but I think he can chase down the flyers pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'll have uh, speed and he'll have like combo ability. He'll have just a lot of cool moves. He'll appeal to my inner like 13 year old with just uh, shouting out like Buddhist concepts and then <laughs> hitting you in the face. So. He'll probably play exactly like Wolverine anyway. Like he'll dive kick you and it'll ground bounce you and then you'll combo off of it and he'll side switch all the time. Seems pretty oh, good. I'm in. I'm in for it. Okay. Um, I guess I'm trying to counter pick here because I know you're going to play Wolverine point. I don't really play much Marvel. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to go with, I'm just going to go with uh, Sylvan. Because he's probably Virgil. Oh um, no! <laughs> so he'll probably be my anchor because we're thinking about what we're doing. But I have to seal the dark, the dark Virgil here. So I'm gonna pick him now and think about the team concept later. But you know, <laughs> he'll have a Hembreaker. He'll, he'll just glue everything together. Yeah, he'll have Hembreaker. He'll be like, now I'm motivated, and he'll come out and his swords will spin around him. I could beat you in every other aspect of the game, but yeah. then uh, he'll just come out and invalidate everything that I've done for the last like 60 seconds. Yeah, that's that. I think that's what we're going for. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, the floor is yours. Who, baby? Uh, all right. So, in order to keep you out, I think that I'm going to have as my uh, my assist character. We're gonna go with Andre. Actually, I'm gonna try and keep you. I'm gonna keep you the hell away and also just defend. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like what he would be like. Um... He, I mean, there's not a lot of spear characters in versus games, interestingly enough. I was trying to think, but um, he could probably play like Fate Unlimited Codes um, Lancer, I guess. <laughs> Who's the best character in that game, yeah. by the way? He <laughs> touches you and you die, and then like he changes the camera on you, and then you die. It's it's messed up. Yeah, interestingly enough, this is a little nugget for everybody. So Fate Unlimited Codes and Marvel vs. Capcom 3 were both developed by 18, actually. 
So there is a there is a link there. Yeah, and Aiding is working with Arc System Works these days. Yeah. So let's see here. So Andre and Six does seem like a pretty good team. So I need to pick a Doom to kind of make this team work. Um, who would be Doctor Doom here? I guess it would be. Yeah, I guess it would be Tian. I guess so. She would come out and shoot like ten bullets, like straight up, mm-hmm. and they would home and in on you. Around. Yeah, the home in on you and like follow you where you are, break your combos, right? So, um, yeah, that's my team concept. I'm, I'm going with the shell first, and then I'll pick a point character later. And I think, I think for mine, I'm going to pick just an assist character. I'm going to pick Thrail. Uh, she's going to have ground zero assist that'll just do a bunch of damage to herself and then eat the screen. Oh, okay. But I think it'll. I think it'll work. I think this entire concept is going to be six in front. One in the middle um, to to continue things around and also just mess with your assists. I bet that Andre's assist would work like uh, Android Seventeen in Dragon Ball Fighters, where he's just like, <laughs> no, no one else is allowed in. <laughs> so that would mess with your assist, and then I would be able to call Thrail, and she would uh, ground zero you out of the air. Okay, so I'm just gonna go with the uh, true meta pick here. I'm gonna pick uh, Twayen too. And then she's gonna play exactly like Morgan, and so I'll just fly to the top of the screen. Oh no! And then I'll just stay up there. Don't worry, Ground Zero is gonna act just like uh, Captain Cor- uh, Corridor. That's, that's my thought. <laughs> no, that's fine. I'll just unfly and block it. That's the plan because she can fly, right? So then, oh, I'll no. fly and block it. Call my, you know, Doctor Doom assist. Then uh, we'll just go from there. And then, you know, I'll just build lots of meter. And uh, I won't. I guess she doesn't have a move where she'll become an after image, so maybe she's not that strong. Thinking about it now, but. Um, I guess that's the team concept for now. All right. All right. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens when the game finally comes out. <laughs> I mean, they've made one fighting game. What's stopping them from making another fighting game, right? True, well, yeah. The fact that they're supporting this fighting game still, that's yeah. what's stopping them. Yeah, that is what's stopping them. But that was a fun draft. Um, who do you think won? You can let us know um, wherever you let us know things. Um, <laughs> you know, Twitter, in the comments of this thing. But yeah, um, once again, thank you to Vibrating Sheep for joining me. Um, anything you'd like to let the listeners know today? Um, well, we have the trailer coming on the 22nd, and that's going to be exciting. Jeez. Um, then the other thing is that we're going to find out the fifth character of Season 2 in March. Mm. So there will be uh, February, and uh, we'll, we'll see how Andre's release affects the game. Uh, we're going to mm get a new song in chapter 50 that's exciting mm-hmm. of rpg mode i'm looking I mean, forward to that they hyped it up a lot so i'm a little bit worried about it but um, i'm sure it's great yeah we'll see what happens all right but yeah um nothing really to promote this time uh just if you uh if you want news about grand blue fantasy then um i obsessively follow it so you so that you don't have to <laughs> yeah and then do check out uh twitter at GrandBlue underscore uh, GrandBlue underscore En because uh, I mean you will translate the move list at some point so I will yeah that's probably going to be the first place you will find it so awesome okie dokie so once again thanks for joining me it's always a pleasure to have you on and uh, next time we will I don't know I guess next time we'll probably finally catch up with the main cast talking about the main cast again but um, yeah yeah not a problem I enjoy yeah uh, I enjoy our talks great. All right, guys. See you guys next time. All right. See you next time. Thanks, James.